You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. When Jesus says, yes, you're going to go into this storm, you're going to have this trial, you're going to have this overwhelming situation, but you'll make it to the other side. When Jesus says you're going to make it to the other side, you're going to make it to the other side. Yeah, but you don't understand. This is really bad. Oh, really? (laughs) You don't think you're going to make it? Can you imagine God in heaven going, I don't know if He's going to make it. No, you will make it through. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches us about God's never-ending love and devotion to us, His children. Trials come and go on this earth, but it's easy to get overwhelmed in the midst of them. However, Pastor J.D. wants you to see that God is right there with you, walking through the storm by your side. You aren't alone, even when you feel like it. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 61, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Notice that David is speaking of a recommitment of sorts. He's talking about how God has heard his vows, how God has given him this rich heritage. By the way, this is something that the enemy also succeeds at, and unnecessarily so. He gets our mind on our difficulty and off of our heritage, our inheritance. Would you agree with me that Satan will always try to get our eyes off the blessings of God and get our eyes on the problems in life? And the the more we look at our problems, the bigger they get, and the smaller our God becomes. And conversely, when we look at our circumstances through the lens of our God, then our circumstances become small, that difficulty becomes small, and our God becomes big. And it requires that we set our mind on things above. I was uh, driving from uh, Los Angeles to San Diego. Listen, (laughs) you haven't lived until you've driven from Los Angeles to San Diego. Uh, Quite an experience. I would like to stand before you and say that my sanctification did not flee from me, but it did. (laughs) Boy, I tell you, you want to, you know, you you pray, God, make me a man of prayer. Okay, I'm going to put you in traffic between Los Angeles and San Diego. You'll learn to pray real fast. Nine lanes, bumper to bumper. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> regroup here as I try to share this illustration. I'm in traffic, and I'm, I'm just talking to the Lord. Lord, would you just surround this car with your heavenly host? I mean, just, you know, Of course, I'm praying for travel mercies and travel safety, but I was very specific. So I'm I'm picturing this camera in heaven. 
and how God is now dispatching His heavenly host, and He's assigning it to the quadrants at the exact location. And so I'm picturing God, you know, zooming in on California, and then He's zooming in to I-5, and there He is. And there's the car, the rental car, and He's got His son in there, and so you just, I mean, I want you to put angels round that And here's what the Lord ministered to me. God is very big, and the earth is very small. The next time you need a perspective on how small the earth is and all that is in it, just go to one of those YouTube videos that tells you how many earths fit in the sun. And then how our universe is just, I mean, a microscopic, you can't even see it compared to the other universes. And then all of those universes, I mean, it is just, you cannot cannot even get your mind around it. And wait a minute, the God I serve, the God that loves me created all of that? And he's not going to help me in traffic on this nine-lane freeway in Southern California. Are you kidding me? There's nothing too hard for the Lord. But see, the enemy is all about trying to get our mind on how big the problem is. Well, oh really? Yeah, the problem is big. But let's just put it into perspective. My God is way more bigger way bigger. This is nothing. This is nothing. I think about what Paul wrote to the Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he says this, listen, verse 2, set your minds on things above not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And the Proverbs say, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And sometimes I think that we think too earthly and we don't think heavenly enough. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So set your mind on things above. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says this, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
I'm not going to think about the earthly overwhelming problem and situation that plagues my life currently. I'm going to think about my God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. He's got this. He's got this. I'm going to set my mind on on heavenly things, on my heavenly Father. This sixth one in verse 6 is one that the Lord has to continually remind me of, and it's that God is going to get me through it. God will see me through that overwhelming situation, and not only will He see me through it, He'll have the final word on it. This ain't over yet. (laughs) You know that, that saying, it ain't over till it's over? Well, it ain't over yet, and God's going to get me through to the other side. Again, I think of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. you got to know that they thought for sure that this is how it ends. <laughs> and here's the thing. The Lord told them to get in the boat, and He would meet them on the other side. You know what that means? That means that God knew that they were going to encounter this life and death storm on the Sea of Galilee. Here they are right smack in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and they're in this life and death storm, yet they are right in the middle of God's will. Now why do I point that out? Because one of the things that we do err greatly in doing is we think that adversity means we're not in God's will. And, and the implication of that is that God's will for my life is a very smooth sailing life. You know, no problems. That, you know you're in God's will when things are going well in your life. You know what they call a life that is all sunshine and no rain? A barren desert, right? There's no growth. There's no life. It's only a barren desert. <laughs> You need the storms. That's where the growth comes. I think about the trees. I'll never forget when we first moved here, we have in our front yard a plumeria tree. And you know, you have to understand that for me, seeing flowers on trees, they don't have flowers on trees where I come from, okay? So this was quite a novelty. But we moved in December, and I'm, I'm looking at this tree, and it looks completely dead. And I said to my wife, I said, what kind of tree is this (laughs) besides a dead tree? She said, this is a plumeria tree. I said, what's a plumeria tree? Oh, you'll see. You wait. Well, listen, that may be a plumeria tree, but that is a dead plumeria tree. There ain't no life on that thing at all. But what you can't see is, is that during the winter, when it looks dead, (laughs) those roots are very much alive. And they are growing very deep into the soil to prepare for the storms that are coming. You don't see it, but when those, not if, but when those storms come, that plumeria tree is growing stronger, and those flowers will bloom even greater. And sure enough, come springtime, I'm, I'm out there going, Wow, what a beautiful tree. What a beautiful, and they smell beautifully. I love plumeria trees, if you couldn't tell now. <laughs> but they need the storms. That's how they grow. That's how the roots become strong and the tree can stand. 
But you got to know that the disciples thought for sure that they were going to sink in the midst of this overwhelming storm, but they didn't. When Jesus says, yes, you're going to go into this storm, you're going to have this trial, you're going to have this overwhelming situation, but you'll make it to the other side. When Jesus says you're going to make it to the other side, you're going to make it to the other side. Yeah, but you don't understand. This is really bad. Oh, really? (laughs) You don't think you're going to make it? Can you imagine God in heaven going, I don't know if he's going to make it. No, you will make it through. I know it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't look like it. But God will get you through this. And this kind of goes back to what we just talked about. Think about all the other storms that he got you through. Didn't you make it to the other side of that? And by the way, there is the other side to those overwhelming storms in life. I think about what Jeremiah says, if you can't handle it when the footmen come, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? Well, when you go through those difficult trials and God gets you through it, there's nothing that God is not going to get you through. Well, this is the seventh one. It's in verse 7. And it's that of remembering, and this is a biggie too, it's remembering that this world is not my home. You know, sometimes I think innate within all of us is this desire to try to replicate, for lack of a better word, heaven on earth. This is not our final destination. Heaven is. Notice that David says, he will abide before God for all eternity. And then he even asks God to prepare mercy and truth to preserve him until that time comes. What, what is he doing here? It's what we need to be doing whenever we're in a very difficult and overwhelming situation, is to remember that there is coming a day, I believe soon and very soon, sooner than any of us think, by the way, when that trumpet is going to sound, and that's it. We're out of here. We put off corruptible, we put on incorruptible in the twinkling of an eye. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up, to be with the Lord forever. That day is coming. That's my final destination. So like the Apostle Paul, I can say of that overwhelming situation in my life here, that it's not worthy to be compared with what awaits up there. And that helps me put it into perspective. We were not created for time. We were created for eternity. That is our final destination. And David does well to remind himself that this world is not his home. This eighth one in verse 8 is not so much what to do when overwhelmed as much as it is the result of doing the other seven when overwhelmed. And it's that of praising God daily, knowing that He, as only He can and always does, will hearken unto the voice of your cry. And this is why it is that David ends the psalm 
like so many others, just praising God. Keep in mind, the circumstances have not changed. He's still as overwhelmed as he was when he begun the psalm. His situation has not changed. His perspective has. His perspective has changed. His circumstances have not changed. How has his perspective changed? His perspective has changed now because now he's looking at his God and not his overwhelming circumstances. You keep looking at those overwhelming circumstances, you'll go down. It's not a matter of if, it's, it, it's a matter of when and how soon and how bad. It'll take you down. Because the enemy's right there, creating this, manufacturing this scenario of, wow, what if, and this is bad, I know this is bad, and oh, what if this happens, I know, what if that happens, and the next thing you know, you have this snowball effect, for lack of a better way of saying it. Nothing has just become so overwhelming, but his perspective has completely changed his circumstances have not. Well, let's uh, end with Psalm 62. This is to the chief musician, to Jeduthun, and it's a Psalm of David. Verse 1, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? Verse 3. You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul, verse 5, waits silently for God alone. Notice the change here. He turns a corner. He goes from talking about his situation and how God is the rock and his salvation. And now in verse 5, he turns his corner and starts talking to himself. Maybe better said, giving himself a talking to. And he says to his soul, my soul, wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. And notice this time, he says, I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him. He's still talking to his soul. <laughs> Trust in Him at all times. And then he says, you people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Verse 9, surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than a vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery if riches increase. Do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, verse 12, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. So what's Psalm 62 about? Well, 
It's a psalm about both waiting on and trusting in the Lord. And not only waiting on the Lord and trusting in the Lord, but it's waiting and trusting that the Lord is going to come to your defense in the midst of being unjustly attacked. Some believe that this is yet another psalm that came out of that time in David's life where his son Absalom had risen up against him and sought to kill him. A lot of the psalms came out of that very difficult time in David's life. And we know how this ends, but David doesn't yet know how this is going to end. And when he pens this psalm, he is in the midst of this situation. And he says to himself, he reminds himself, he exhorts himself really, to wait for the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The Lord is going to do this for you and instead of you. Well, in verse 2, he begins the psalm and he says, I will not be greatly moved. And then he goes on to say, I will not be moved. What, why, why does he say that? Because, like Psalm 61 before it, David had this confidence, trusting that God would get him through. Have you ever noticed how it is that the more you seek the Lord, the more you put your trust in the Lord, the more confidence you have in the Lord? I mean, it kind of grows in your heart. The more you trust the Lord, the more you trust the Lord. That's not a play on words. The more you trust the Lord, the more you're going to trust the Lord. It's almost like trust breeds trust. Your confidence is in the Lord. Confidence breeds confidence. I want to end with Hebrews 4.16. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, notice, approach the throne of God with confidence, with boldness, not arrogance, but confidence. Why would the writer of Hebrews specify this approaching the throne of grace with such a confidence? Because our confidence is in the Lord. And because our confidence is in the Lord, the Lord's confidence is in us. And here's what comes as a result. We're going to receive mercy, we're going to find grace, and we're going to get the help that we need in our time of need. That's what David does. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study, and we'll continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 